You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Once again, welcome back to MWCWire.com. Week, uh, week nine. Week nine recap. Is that what we're doing here? We're already that far into the season, yeah. All right, that's uh, Matt Kennerly there, Jeremy Moss here, talking about uh, everything from Week 9. Crazy. Like, we had um, Twitter, MWC Wire, Facebook. I want to get into it, so we'll get that stuff out too, right? Mountain West Wire, give us a follow. Like us, um, rate us iTunes to Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Here's the thing. Our good buddy on Twitter, Fake Matt Mummy, goes, Hey, it's Halloween. Something's crazy going to happen. I'm sure glad Nevada's on a bye, on a bye week. And, well, we had some crazy stuff happen this week. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's putting it mildly. Yeah, mild. It's uh, should we just get going to the games? Is there any news we need to discuss? Anything really? Um, now games. Get to it. Yeah, let's 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 talk about games. All right, game one, San Jose State BYU. One team came. Both teams came in with no FBS victories, and of course, the team we didn't want to get a victory got a victory. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that? You somehow survived watching that game in person. <laughs> I um somehow, some way. I was um it's nice it's nice scenery, it's a good view. It wasn't an eight forty five PM kick, so that's always appreciative. That's true. <laughs> I made it, I survived, I saw um injuries, I saw passing plays, I saw interceptions, I saw a forty one to twenty final that was not as close as the final score indicated. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, two of those, their two touchdowns came in the fourth quarter when the game was already well out of reach. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I repeat myself a lot when we talk about the Spartans these days because they're very clearly building everything from the ground up. So, like, in the same way that I've talked before about the fact that you can see that there are pieces that this team can build around, you know, you look at a guy like Tyler Nevins, for instance, who cracked 100 yards. You know, they made it very clear that, like, he was the dude in the backfield at this point. Um, you know, he had 26 carries and nobody else in the backfield had more than four. You know, he seems like the guy who's going to be a keeper. You know, Trey Walker, again, you know, as a true freshman, really stepping in and being, you know, the number one guy, at least for today. Six catches, 58 yards, and one of those touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, you look at the the bigger picture with Spartans, you know, it took them a long time to get anything going on offense. And by the time they did, BYU had basically put the game out of reach already. Yeah, they're up 41-6. to six. And it could have been worse. Like, there was an interception, terrible throw by Montel Aaron, but there was a rough in the passer that got called back. So they got, mm-hmm. they got a chance to go. But, like, this could have been worse. There's five turnovers in this game allowed. BYU scored, yeah. I think I think I wrote my recap, it was it 10 points, I believe, they scored. Off of that, there was a fumble that led to a touchdown, and um, I think a BYU scored twenty points off of turn. Oh, they did. Oh, I'm, oh, I thought it was a. Oh, geez, I thought there <laughs> was more than that. I mean, less than no, that. No, they and and San Jose State maybe got a little bit unlucky because yeah, Montel Aaron did throw the one interception. They had six fumbles and lost four of them. So maybe there was a little bit of fumble luck involved or anything like that. But that's been an issue all year long for this offense is just being able to hang on to the ball. And that's one of those things where if you look at the drives where BYU was most successful, you know, their their second touchdown was started at the 10-yard line, uh, yeah. the San Jose State 10-yard line. You know, they had another field goal late in the first half where they started at midfield. You know, they had two drives that basically salted the game away in the fourth quarter that started on San Jose's side of the field. So it's just one of those things where it's, I mean, at this point, there's probably no easy fix for it. Like you just kind of have to, I don't know. It's like ripping off a bandaid or something like that. You kind of have to take the bad with the good. I think at this point, it's more than that, but I guess the, cause if you look at the box score kind of numbers, like, Oh, maybe it was okay because Nevins, 120 yards, um, Aaron, it's over 50%, two, two touchdowns, but they all came in the last couple of minutes. But the thing I noticed there at the game, 
I guess one decent thing is that Nevins, he got banged up, but he came back in. But there's, like, no, like, there, Montel Aaron's, like, he makes good throws, but then he makes, like, what the heck's going on out there? This BYU defense was missing their best, top, what, their best second, uh, was it Troy Warner was gone? He didn't really play. They had so many injuries, but defense couldn't do anything. Or, excuse me, offense couldn't really pass the ball all that well. They, bad throws, mixing with some decent throws, but, like, this BYU defense is missing so many players, I don't see how they couldn't have taken more advantage in the air. But it's... Yeah, and I mean, this is the kind of thing where you have to remember he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. And, yeah, even though he did have some rough throws in this game, like, if you step back and look at what he's done for the year, like, he battled his way back from injury, first of all. And, you know, on the year, he hasn't been that bad. Like, I'd have to dive further into the numbers to really get a sense of what they actually mean. But, I mean, his completion percentage for the year at the moment right around 60%, which is pretty good. You know, eight touchdowns against three interceptions, which is also pretty good. So, you know, there, there's growth there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's very clearly learning on the job with a bunch of other guys who they're going to grow together. And, you know, at least for 2017, it's probably just not going to be pretty most of the time. It's not. And, like, we were joking, like, oh, a two-point or a two-touchdown favorite. Like, how is that possible? Because BYU's offense has showed nothing. And you mentioned because it was Ula Talato, we rightly predicted he'd be out for getting busted for marijuana possession. Let's just bring in KJ Hall, 100 yards, 112. I believe this was BYU's second, or yeah, second game all year they had a 100 yard rusher. And I think the mm-hmm. first was against the Portland State, if I recall. But they ran the ball well. Same with San Jose State. Nevins getting 100 yards was the first time in a while. But like the running game, we knew. Boise, or excuse me, uh, BYU'd be able to run the ball, but it's like the guy rushed for 112 yards, had 60, 50, excuse me, 57 coming into this game and didn't play for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, and it was only in 10 carries. Yeah, he had a 75 yarder, but it's like, geez, he had, the guy had over 100 plus yards receiving in, or 155 yards combined, just about. One 12 rushing, 44 receiving. 75-yarder on the ground, It's we knew the defense was bad rushing, but, man, this guy has barely played, and look what he does. Yeah, I mean, I think that if San Jose State has anything to work on going into 2018 and 2019, like if, if they want to be a contender, it seems pretty clear <laughs> now that the offense is ahead of the defense, which, you know. But that's, that's been, been the, the case, case for, like, the past, past three years. years. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's going to start eventually with, Probably the guys up front in that three, in the, you know, especially in the three among that three four, because you know you've got linebackers who are very active, like Frank Ginda again, led the team in tackles, had one tackle for loss, and they're they're three guys in the starting lineup: Ginda, Ethan Aguayo, and Jamal Scott ended up having five tackles for loss between them. So, you know, that's something you can build upon. But it's the guys up front, you know, who I think. I expected them to be pretty solid, if not spectacular, you know, and in this game, you know, maybe they're, they've got young guys who are really taking that on, like, you know, Nico Imanetti and Salosi Latu. Those aren't guys I think we expected to have big roles coming into the year, but it's, it's something they're, you know, like Aaron, like all these other guys, like Nevins, they're probably learning on the job a little bit. And so, you know, the experience can only help if these guys are around next year. And, you know, Ginda may be around. I think he's a junior, right? So mm-hmm. there's a he very is. good chance he might come back next year. And so if you have good linebackers, you know, guys who can play sideline to sideline, like I think these three guys very clearly can, that's something positive, right? But they're going to have to find guys up front, which I think has really been their hindrance. And it kind of, you know, it, it bit them again in this game. Really quick, on the rushing defense again. These are stats are after the game. Um, or actually, during the game, BYU averaged 6.8 yards on the ground. After the game, I don't have stats before this game, but after this game, they increased their average to just 3.9 yards on the ground. So before, I'm assuming, what are they, probably 3.5 or something? Three, I don't know the difference, 3.7. But still, they basically doubled the yards per game average in this matchup, and I know they played some good defenses, but 
running. This KJ Hall is supposed to be like, supposed to be like the third string running back. That's true, and I mean, you know, some of it too is like you know, if you look at the the play calling for BYU, obviously they wanted to lean on the ground game more than the passing game. They ended up, I think, a little bit balanced. I think it was thirty nine to thirty eight runs to passes. But I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't a secret going into this game that San Jose State's been tested more than anybody, literally running the football this year. Like, yes, they're among only so many teams that have played nine games, but they're still about 60 carries ahead of the next team as far as having faced so many rushing attempts. (laughs) You know, there's only so much you can do about that from week to week, I think. Yeah, and then the passing game, that's that's usually been their strength, but BYU just did what they wanted. When they wanted to pass, they wanted to pass. They're just above 50%, but again, three touchdowns, 283 yards. I guess the good thing is that they didn't give up. They came back and had two those two touchdown drives late in the game, which were a 12-play and an 11-play drive. And so, yeah, they're probably always rotating some backups in there, even though they already got a lot of backups out because or in there because of injuries. But you got to give them some credit for doing two lengthy drives and putting something together. Because if, had they got sh- didn't score, it would have been, what, 41-6? to six? Jeez. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you look at their third down situations too, I think if they go back to the film, they're probably going to find things that they could have done a little bit better, because especially early in the game, they were right around fifty percent in converting their third downs. They ended up finishing six to seventeen, but a lot of that had to do with after halftime they were getting into a lot of third and long situations. Um, but you know, early in the game, if you know, if they complete one or two more third downs, maybe they're more competitive in the long run. It just, you know, things didn't really work out that way where, you know, they had third and four off their first drive and, and Tyler Nevins is up getting one yard on third and four. So it wasn't as though they weren't putting themselves in position to succeed. They just weren't, you know, executing the way that they always wanted to. And, you know, it's only so much you could do about that. All right, let's move on. That's enough talking about a terrible right. game. Next game, I guess start at the same time. Air Force at Colorado State, one of the first upsets of the weekend. Man, so the um, – did you know, I guess there's a big deal made about the amount of trophy games Rams play for and lost. So I guess they've lost – what are they – what is Bobo, two and six in um, trophy games? Is that correct? Losing like five in a row, I think. I, I hadn't paid that much attention to it, but, uh, I mean, obviously we knew that there was a the Ram Falcon trophy on the line in this one. I mean, it's one of those things that's totally meaningless, but kind of fascinating, you know? Yeah, this whole paragraph really quick from the Colorado one. The Rams uh, are now 2-6 and six in their Bobo and Trophy games against its main rivals, Air Force, Wyoming, and Colorado. Uh, they've lost five of those uh, rivalry, rivalry games in a row. And then they also pile on 0-2 in bowl games. And, and he says, and this guy is what Kelly Lyle says, the Rams still haven't had a marquee win at, with Bobo as head coach. They... And again, I don't buy this next part. The closest was a 63-31 to whipping of 9-win San Diego State last year. However, they qualify that saying it comes with asterisks because the Aztecs already knew they would play for the Mountain West title game and had nothing to play for. I still say that's a really big victory. I don't care. They came out and Aztecs played terrible that game. Okay, so here here's the question then with this particular game. Did Colorado State lose this game or did Air Force win it? Ooh. Because it was back and forth in the first half. It was point, point. Did you see, I forget who tweeted it out, maybe the radio guy. Time of possession at one point was like two minutes for CSU, not even two minutes, and the rest for Air Force. I think it was uh, Rams were up 21-14. Well, yeah, I mean, especially in the first quarter, time of possession for Air Force, 13 minutes and 52 seconds. Yeah. Colorado State had it That's for it exactly one minute and eight seconds. But winning 21-14, to 14, right? Uh, yeah, that's the remarkable part, right? And I mean, I think you could, I was just going to say, I think you could possibly answer it both ways because on the one hand, you know, Air Force came out and dominated on the ground. You know, I, like I said, going into the preview, I thought this would be a high scoring game. And and with that in mind, the Falcons didn't really disappoint because not only did they basically play their game to the tune of about five and a half yards per carry and over 400 yards on the ground, but did you realize that Colorado State didn't have a single tackle for a loss in this game? You can't have that against this type of no, offense. That's terrible. Yeah, it's the point of this. If you're going to stop this offense, you got to 
you're going to give up yards almost no matter what, but big plays, which they gave up a few that 53-yarder. But, yeah, no TFLs. you got to stop them somehow. You can't let them rush for 413 yards. Yeah, and, I mean, in the same way that, you know, they, they, they bent, but they didn't always break against Nevada. Like, I think Air Force really pushed them in a way that Nevada wasn't able to because not only were they – you know, dominant in time of possession and stuff like that, but they were also able to move the chains more often than not. Like eight of 13 is like a ridiculous conversion rate. And that wasn't something that we'd always seen from the Falcons going, you know, week in and week out this year. So I think that that's a credit to them to, you know, have their five or six guys who are making plays on the ground, kind of keeping not only Nick Stevens, but Michael Gallup and everybody else on the sidelines. Yeah, but also the Air Force actually has the defense at times. They had that Shaquille Vereen pick six, which was pretty mm-hmm. amazing. And then Rams were outside of the early possession. That I think is their first uh, – yeah, I believe their first possession in the third quarter. That's all the points they had. They were shut out the rest of the way. And you could go back to Nevada. Nevada doesn't have a defense, so it's going to be who had the ball last essentially. This time around, we've seen Falcons play well versus Michigan in the red zone where they held them to so many field goals. But – Falcons or Rams had a couple chances like they had an interception that led to nothing or they had they had a long drive that led to an interception so they had chances to get back in this but the offense just yeah Dalen Dawkins did good but he had half his yards on one run 70 what six yarder had 140 yards in the ground Gallup had a touchdown and well over 150 yards in the air Stevens was okay but like look in the second half they were going five plays uh three and out five and outs Air Force had a look at this drive, man. Seven. This this drive is ridiculous. One of the scoring drives. Seventeen plays, seventy-two yards, oh, yeah. nine minutes, nine minutes at fifty-nine seconds, all for three points. That is that's ball that's control. The most Air Force <laughs> drive you will see all year long. That and they also had a thirteen. No, what about the thirteen play ninety-eight yarder, man? They had two of those. Two drives in second half took up. What was it? Uh, eighteen minutes. First one you mentioned was nine minutes and fifty nine seconds. And it like if you look at the yeah. if you look at the 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 play by play on that drive, didn't have a single play that was more than twelve yards. On the seventy two on the ten minute one, that yeah. led to a field goal. Yeah, they had they had a yeah twelve yard and a ten yard play. That's everything else was four yards, three yards, four yards, like one that's, yard. I mean, and to that <laughs> point, like. Yeah, they they held Air Force to three points, and even though they were at a significant time disadvantage, at that point they were still only down three, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, aside from the turnovers, like I think Nick Stevens really, you know, hurt the team's chances by sending them up on a couple of short drives. But every time they had the ball, they were making it count because, you know, you mentioned Dalen Dawkins and his 76-yard touchdown. But Michael Gallup also had a 55-yard touchdown. You know, they were creating big plays, like chunk plays, in a way that Air Force didn't always need to. So, you know, the time of possession didn't really catch up with them, I don't think, until the fourth quarter. And that was, to me, kind of when Nick Stevens really faltered. Like, you know, yes, the interceptions weren't great. But I, you know, I think they wanted him or they needed him to be a little bit better than he was in the fourth quarter, especially because that was when they really put the game on his shoulders down three, you know, going into that first drive, which led to a 53 yard punt at the beginning of the quarter. But he was only seven of 14 and he had his third interception in that quarter. Yeah. And they really, they, they were a bit, they threw the ball a lot. Like they threw it 14 times. They ran it four times which told me, you know, they wanted Stevens to make plays. And he just didn't have it in him to do that. And that was when Air Force really took command of the game with a couple more of those really long drives. Like You mentioned the two already, but they had another one that was... Mm-hmm. But here's where it kind of turned on them. The offense did them no favors after that long drive. That 10-minute drive, drive, Three and out in 60 seconds. Air Force drives down fairly quickly that next time. So defense is already tired. They have a lengthy drive that's, by Air Force standards, blazing fast at just under three minutes. But then the Rams offense again goes on a five-play drive in 90 seconds. You got to give – it's the thing. It's 
kind of the balance. Like if you're playing a team like this, where you're a fast striking offense, which the Rams were in this game, or at least giving the they made big plays, but they also had quick the three and out, like I mentioned for a minute. You you, you got to do your defense some service, man. Run the ball. They're on the field for ten minutes of game time. Who what was that? Maybe 15, 20 minutes of actual time on the field mm-hmm. out there. You you come give them three minutes of break. They're back out there again. Another drive in five plays. Okay, we've got the ball again. Five plays for your offense. You go 90 seconds. They're just drained during that touchdown drive. They're just gassed and couldn't do anything about it. They're just so tired. You got to give, even if you're not being successful, I don't know what to do. It's like you got to get at least one first down, man. Give them at least 10 minutes on the sideline of actual time to rest. Get You can't get them out there in five minutes after going through a 10-play drive or 10-minute drive. And that's where I think the game ended. After that field goal, Okay, it's it's only a three point game, but then they go three and out. That's when the game is over. When it was thirty eight to twenty eight, the game was essentially over, in my opinion, because the defense was just too tired and the offense could not help them out at all to get a couple first downs. See, I don't know that I necessarily fault putting the game in Nick Stevens' hands like that because through three quarters he had been really good, you know, other than the interceptions. Like, yeah, he did throw three touchdowns. And he had only 10 completions through three quarters, but he was averaging almost 19 yards per play. So I think that they they must have seen something that they liked to be able to go out and tell Nick Stevens, okay, go win this game for us. And, you know, on that first drive when they're down 10, like they did get to midfield and then they just kind of stalled out before Air Force put together the really the dagger, like the, the 98 yard drive. So I don't, Like I said, I don't necessarily fault Mike Bobo and company from putting the game in Stevens' hands because to me, like, he had been making plays and the offense had Mm -hmm. been moving the ball in the limited time that they'd had it. Like, yeah, they were two minutes for every one minute of game time, but they were five of six on third downs through the third quarter and only one of four in the fourth quarter. And that is, to me, is kind of where the game turned. It's just they weren't able to keep up the success that they had through three quarters. No, that makes sense. Like, I'm not bla- – like, Dan's the right play to have the offense go through Stevens. Just that – the because running game – I know that 70-plus yard run happened. But if you take that away, they could not move the ball. That's – because they had 166 yards in the ground. Take away 76, that puts them at, what, 90 yards on 22 carries? It's not very good. For a team, the offensive line has been dominant all year, pushing teams around. Izzy Matthews only ran the ball four times for 12 yards, and one of those was a nine-yarder. So they had to go through Stevens because the running game wasn't working. But when you incomplete pass, clock stops, and you can you like I said, it's just got to give that defense a chance, and they couldn't. Like the offense hung them out the dry in the, in the second half. There's no no way around it. I know what they wanted to do, but like I said, get a first down, get your defense some rest because you're getting pounded 74 times. The fullback die was in full force, especially in that 53 yard by Jacob Stafford. There he went right up the middle, 53 yards touchdown. It's they just. This is the perfect Air Force game for them to play. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was kind of like last year, except that the Rams faltered at the end. So do you have any concern with Colorado State the rest of the way, or is it just you guys stubbed your toe versus Air Force? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the defensive questions have lingered a little longer than a lot of us expected. Like, I expected the defense to be pretty good. But, you know, now if you look at what they've done over the course of the season, they rank ninth in yards per play allowed on total defense. And they've been a little bit slightly worse in conference play. Like they rank ninth regardless, whether you're looking at the whole season or just during Mountain West play. So I think, you know, if you look at the teams that they're going to have to play down the stretch, you know, they go to Wyoming next week and then they're home for Boise, home for San Jose State. And I think that's it, actually. Um, yeah, three, so I was three games they had, I was yeah, thinking they had yeah. one in the finale. So, I mean, they've got, I think, some opportunity to maybe prove something, you know, against a, an uneven Wyoming offense, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, you know, a, a San Jose State offense that is clearly a work in progress and a Boise State offense that's been, you know, they've looked a little better in the last month than they did in the first month. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to have to fix something fast because, yeah, they're still in the running for the Mountain Division title. But now they don't control their own destiny anymore. And it could get out of hand quickly if they don't find an answer soon. 
Well, they technically do. They win out. They they win the division. Yeah. But I mean, they're they're, they're just the no longer in first Boise. place. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, at at the moment, yeah, I'm saying if they win out, they win the division. But still, you're right. Like Wyoming, let's just get to them right now. They showed up, played well. Jo- hey, we had good Josh Allen for once. Jeez. I had um look at Twitter. Um, do you ever follow follow? Is it um I think it's Ian Worthley? Is it NFL film study? Uh, Ian, do you ever Ian follow Wharton, that guy? Right? Ian Wharton. So he puts out a gift like I. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, Ian Wharton here. It's an, at NFL Film Study. He's been doing a lot of uh, film stuff about uh, Josh Allen and other players. He's like, he had the Batman gif about him shake his head, time to watch Josh Allen play. And I'm like, ditto. But apparently Josh Allen showed up to play this game for, what, the first time all year maybe? Yeah, you, you know who else decided to show up to play? Carl Granderson? Oh, yeah. Who else? Well, I was I, I made a joke on on Twitter that you know New Mexico decided to go as San Jose State's offense for Halloween. Apparently, <laughs> I saw that. That was good. Six turnovers, man. Like it's it's really hard to screw that up when you have that many bad turnovers. And you know, credit to the offense, you you they gave, they got lemons and they made lemonade out of it. And if you look at those touchdown drives. You know, they basically they started at the New Mexico three, the New Mexico twenty nine, the New Mexico sixteen, the Wyoming twenty. So that was their one long drive that they had to put (laughs) together. The New Mexico thirty, the New Mexico thirty eight. So they basically took full advantage in of of all those turnovers, and that is a huge credit to Craig Bull's team because, yeah, we know they're a flawed bunch. Like they still didn't run the ball particularly well. Um, I think their leading rusher only had 25 yards, Trey Woods. But, you know, that's a credit to Josh Allen. He stepped up, and they're starting to look like sli- like a slightly different offense than they did at the beginning of the year. They may not have a running game, but, you know, they have some weapons that have stepped up that weren't there at the beginning of the year. So that's something worth paying attention to going forward. Here's also what happened. Um, also, the announcers, these guys need to learn college football. Because they meant a couple things. They mentioned only, like, if we make a mistake, it's okay. But if you're studying college football, you call every game. Should you know how many teams are in FBS? Is that something simple you should know? Uh, I would, I would think so. Yes, if you're getting paid for, if you're getting well, paid for a living to do that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, well, they mentioned 128 teams. Like, okay, I guess they forgot Coastal Carolina and UAB. But then they go. Jay, here's the thing about where the offense clicking. It's finally happening. James Price finally mm-hmm. back fully healthy and then Austin Fort who has I think three they mentioned he had two touchdowns on two touches one was a or no three touchdowns sorry he had the running play three touches three touchdowns they mentioned man this James Price guy he only has six receptions coming into the game well did they realize he's been hurt for half the season apparently not it's like I'm like gee I'm like come on I'm like yeah he only has six receptions he has he's been hurt so it had, I don't know if this would make a difference, but these guys are they're still in the running because they're 3-1 in the league play. Similar situation as the Rams where they went out, they could win the division. Oh, I guess they need Boise to lose twice, but they're still in good good position at the moment because they still have a, a couple games left in league play. But would you say if Price was healthy the whole year and Ford, they would be any better? Because Ford, really quick, Ford has been – or sorry, Price has been back. This is his fifth game. Mm-hmm. And so would would it make any difference in your mind with Fort and Price being there the whole year? I mean, I think with with Austin Fort, like the the fact that he's scored a touchdown on every single touch he's had as an FBS player, which <laughs> it's I, ridic- it was ridiculous. He had one before, so he has actually four overall touches and four touchdowns, which pretty I've, good. There's got to be a record for that somewhere, but that's amazing. Um, but I mean, to answer your question, you know, we we wondered coming into the year, like who was going to be the number one guy. And, you know, for as as good as Austin Conway has been at times, you know, I think by receptions, he's still the number one guy on the team. They needed a guy like Price, like a a big target who could go up and get a pass, who could make tough catches, you know, sideline catches, whatever, be the kind of sideline weapon that Josh Allen, I think, really needs, you know. So I think having him back has made a difference. And if he had been back a little bit sooner, you know, they probably would have been a little more competitive in in non-conference play, I would think. It would have done something for sure to offset the fact that they really haven't been able to run the ball at all this year. 
Yeah, we'll see. Like the the and they cruise too. Like I, it's hard to say they'd get another win because both those guys were back for Boise, <laughs> lost by ten points, and so who knows how well Fort or I mean yeah, well Fort I guess he had one touch one touchdown last week. Price didn't have anything versus Boise, but Iowa I don't know twenty four three Oregon forty nine thirteen. I don't know if they'd have another win. Maybe Boise State, but again, it's that was last week, and they had those guys back. And I mean, I think it's clear now that they're going to need those guys to continue to produce because, you know, we've talked at length about how the running game just hasn't really been getting it done week in and week out. This is kind you of say awful. Dimen- it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a one dimensional team at this point. Like they're dead last in yards per carry, and you know, it's really. You know, it's kind of an interesting slate for them down the stretch because they do get a Colorado State team that we just talked about that has proven to be a little bit vulnerable against the pass in the past. And then they get Air Force who, you know, when they're not creating turnovers are a little bit dicey defending the pass. And then they go to San Jose State to close out the year. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They also get Fresno, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's opportunities them for them to remain competitive in the division but they're going to need their receivers to probably lead the way. And they're they're definitely going to need their defense to keep creating turnovers, maybe not six per game. That might be asking a bit much, but you know, that's proven to be one of their strengths. Like they, I think they're number one now in the conference, they're plus 16 on the year and it's not even close. You know, that in itself is a major reason to keep an eye on Wyoming going into the last month of the year. Well, it helps they were plus seven in this oh, game. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and then also, I think uh, Bob Davies taking the throw bows a bit too literally these days. Ten of twenty-five. Jeez. Yeah. Not to. Uh, come on. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, most of those turnovers came as a result of interceptions, so it wasn't as though five. Yeah, it just wasn't. <laughs> maybe not a great game plan on 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 Davies' part. It just it also credit the Wyoming defense. Like, yeah, getting seven turnovers is nuts, but they held the rushing attack to under three yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Long of only eighteen. McCorley had thirteen for forty three. Like they couldn't do anything. And then also Carl Granderson had nearly had that touchdown run. Peisman movement did the three sixty along the sideline, getting taken down. That was a beautiful man. There, that was right at the end. I think that's been put it. This is what you get when the big guy smashes the controllers at Xbox when you're trying to do what you can to score a touchdown on defense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like look at Logan Wilson had seven ta- well seven tackles. You had what three? Uh, well, four TFLs, two sacks. But again, five picks. And there are some athletic ones. Wasn't one for um, Winger like a one handed? Didn't he get a one handed pick? I believe. I believe you're right. Something that was like like a bullet where he just kind of snagged it midair. Well, I guess he wouldn't midair, but. Just like, oh, I got this, like a playing OBJ or something to grab it. But mm-hmm. this probably puts Lobos out of um, bowl contention. Technically, they're still alive. They're only three and five. But, it's I mean, it's not looking good for them because the offense good. just hasn't been quite what it was last year. And they also play Texas A&M in a couple weeks, so good luck yeah, with that. Yeah, that's not going to be good. And San Diego State both road games. Yeah. <laughs> see, see you next year, Bob Davey, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely an uphill. Not impossible, but not likely. No, not likely. All right, so what? Ne- what's the next game we want to go to? Is it the Aztecs? Is that what we're doing, doing next year? Um, Yeah, let's do that. All right, we'll go to Boise, Utah State later. But Aztecs, um, oh, that's a late game. Sure, why not? I get my time mixed up. This is, a, this is the very first game I could see at Hawaii Stadium. Is it Aloha Stadium, the official name? This is the first time we could see them on TV, out in the mainland. Can we can we just put it out there that we want this more often? I do. Hey, did you notice the stadium app is now available on Android? I had not noted that. I got a, a tweet from, uh, if you ever follow him on Twitter, it's a Matt Sazmarek, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Matt Matt Sars, I think it is. You probably see him on Twitter. He does all the he does a lot of TV stuff, or like. Uh, yeah, it's Matt at Matt Sars, Matt Sazernak or Sarzniak, where he does kind of like TV scheduling that type of stuff. So he messaged me because we go back and forth sometimes about, hey, it's on Android. I tested it out. This game wasn't on there because it's a CBS game, but we could definitely test it the next Hawaii game that's at home and not on CBS. I know the BYU game is, but not sure about the rest. However, Aztecs are back. Um, are they? Well, should they be back? Twenty-eight-seven. 
Penny had a pretty good game. Um, 253 yards is not bad. And he dragged a guy uh, about eight yards pulling his jersey. Was, whoever that was. Correct that, me if that I'm wrong. Was that not Jelani Tavai? I don't recall. I should look and see. I just, I still, some people put on there, hey, hope this guy paid for the bus ride or something to be hanging on to the jersey. But I, I'd i have to look. I don't recall who it was, but it was just, you just see Penny keep running and running and some guy pulling on the black part of the jersey or black tee. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a weird game because it's not like they needed Chapman to do much of anything. Like, he was only 5 of 11, but he was averaging about 16 yards completion. One, that TD pass, though, in the back corner? Jeez, that was money. Yeah, it was. So like, he, Michael Holder, I was crazy. Like, three of his five com- – actually, four of his five completions were basically, you know, those big chunk plays that we talk about a lot. They didn't really need him to do all that much, though, which is – probably the ideal situation for this offense. Yeah, and it wasn't just you know Rashad Penny really taking over. Like Juwan Washington has been mostly quiet this year, but he was able to pitch in with about five yards per carry. I think they maybe have missed that a little bit, that second guy who can contribute a little bit more. And it'll be interesting to see how much work Washington gets in the next few weeks because for as good as Penny has been, I do think that they need him to step up a little bit because we like we know he's pretty good. I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to deploy him a little more often. Well, also, the offensive line had so many injuries, they finally got that together. That's true. And that's a big deal. We discussed that preseason and everything, losing four linemen and Nico Saragusa to the NFL, to the Ravens, who's hurt at the moment. But we figured, okay, they were fine. Versus, like, look at they did for Stanford, playing all these teams that are pretty good. Playing the non-conference schedule, going up against uh, who else? Whoever, uh, whatever I forget their schedule, but they're just winning. They're undefeated, top twenty team, and then poof, two weeks they lose two in a row. Yeah, and I maybe they found the consistency they need at the moment to because uh, I believe they still were missing their um, their players out there, the starter starting lineup out there for the offensive line, or at least the starters they've had all past couple weeks. But Hawaii had like early on, it was kind of close. All right, seven zero, fourteen seven. But this kind of reminded me of that Fresno game from last year. They just kind of pushed and pushed and did what they want with a few big, with the exception of a few more points on those few big plays. Mm-hmm. But but looking at Hawaii, like we talked about, who's going to step up for John or Sua? Nobody. Yeah. You had a <laughs> you Dylan Colley again I, was the leading receiver. Yeah, and one catch for Isaiah Bernard, 47-yarder. But the big thing, okay, we'll give the ball to Dyson May St. Just. He had his worst game of the year for only 40 yards. That's true, and you can't. And when the passing game is not going all that well, there's defense. Basically, it's Hawaii's probably their worst game. The offense wasn't moving well. Defense couldn't stop anything, despite them having four TFLs. Still give up what 300 yards rushing, 334. There was just nothing they could do. They couldn't get the ball going. Like when they're trying to go down the field, like okay, it looked all right in the first half, but it's just like a slow burn where Asics were just doing what they wish. 14 play drive, eight play drive. Hawaii missed, what, two field goals, I believe, in this game? At least, um, at least one. They missed one, yeah. One, okay, yeah. They missed one game. They're, they couldn't take advantage of inter, of the interception. I mean, it, of the, uh, yeah, there was an interception thrown by Chapman. They couldn't take advantage of that late in the game. Whereas, and they went three plays, one yard. It's like, come on, do something with the ball. Yeah, I mean, some of that, I think, has to do with the fact that they really maybe don't have a number one receiver anymore. But Correct. You know, this was, I think, this says a lot about the San Jose, not the San Jose, San Diego State defense as well, because, you know, it was it was a tougher task, I think, for them to get right against a, a fairly potent Hawaii offense. And when you look at some of these numbers, like they, the Hawaii was only two of 14 on third downs. Like, so the Aztecs were making plays when they needed to the most. And while, you know, a lot of the numbers don't necessarily jump off the stat sheet, like they only had three tackles for loss, but they did sack Drew Brown three times as well. So, you know, it was, the, it was like you said, it was a very workman-like game for the Aztecs where they didn't really do anything fancy, but they basically shut down a pretty decent offense. And so where people are thinking, oh, because I put Hawaii in my bull projections last week, thinking, okay, maybe they could still get in, even with uh, Ursua gone. But now they're sitting similar with the Mexico. Three wins. And then they they got UNLV, which is a rival, maybe. 
But they got BYU at home, which, again, who knows how BYU's been. That's a potential victory. I think they still have a shot, but going out to the mainland, probably not a victory. Hosting Fresno, then coming out the island with them losing to UNLV. They're still in the mix, but also they're not going to play Fresno. Would you say Fresno is probably the best defense they'll face the rest of the way? Uh, looking at the schedule, I would say yes, probably. Unless you want to credit BYU a little bit. Uh, too many injuries. I'd say Utah State secondary Jalen Davis could be an issue maybe, but mm-hmm. for them to pass against. But that's also a Mulligan. If they're going to get to uh, – like if you look at the really quick the FPI, just because we're getting that time of the year, we might as well take a look at that really quick. They are not projected to win any of these games. Ouch. They're only given – okay, I, I know Fresno has been much better this year. It's at home. What would you say the percentage of them winning against Fresno State is? I mean, my guess would be like, what, 30 40%? 22%. Hmm. They're given a near toss-up to beat BYU at home. I mean, I think... For a bad BYU, oh, man. Not good. I mean, I think at this point, like, we know what the questions are around this team. Like, the defense was, you know, obviously stopping Rashad Penny is easier said than done. But that was where they did most of their damage. Like, you know, they gave up big plays through the air as well. So, I mean, I think that there are still those defensive questions that they're going to have to answer. But, I mean, like you and I talked about in the preview, like we'll probably talk about in most of our previews going forward, who's their number one guy now catching the football? Because they're going to need to figure that out sooner rather than later. Yeah, and big play threat, too, because Ursu Ursu has had, what, two 200-yard games, I believe, this year? Mm -hmm. Something ridiculous like that. So, all right, let's move on. Um, We'll save your game for last. Let's go to Boise State, Utah State. So, I'm assuming in our power rankings, Boise will be number one, unanimously, as it should be, I believe. Many people noted that that was a dumb question. Hey, I I know it was. What would be more dumb, me putting – oh. You know what's even dumber than say it's a dumb question? The guy who responded said, hey, where's Wyoming? They only have one loss. I'm like, this is not just a conference poll, buddy. This is the whole season. <laughs> but I could I could, I could, have been silly and said my options, Boise State, Boise State, Boise State, decided to open it up to everybody because why not, right? That's true. But this game, this is a reversal of two years ago when it was the one of the, I guess we are talking about Boise having seven turnovers when the Air Force a couple years ago, Utah State a couple years ago. The 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 ballad of bad, bad Brett Rippin. Yeah, but he's uh wasn't bad this game. This is Brett Rippin we want to see. That is very true. This is the opposite of that. They win forty one to fourteen. Um Rippin, nineteen of twenty seven, three touchdown passes. Cozart has two touchdown passes of his own. I believe this is the first time I forget what um Dave Southhorn said, but may it could have been the first time ever. Boise State has two quarterbacks pass for two touchdowns in a single game. Could be wrong. Maybe not ever, but a long time. But this is, I guess it just took, like we kept saying earlier in the show, Boise's offense has been getting better and better as years gone by. And it all goes back to me for Alexander Madison getting 100 yards. Wopin showed up, had had decent um, playing time, 10 for 51. But Utah State defense couldn't stop passing the passing game or on the ground. They couldn't do anything. And... This is ridiculous. This is kind of odd for me. If you look at the boys or Utah State's defensive numbers, three sacks. Okay, that's good. Eight TFLs, three QB hurries, and they're still beat up that bad in the air and on the ground. How does that happen? Because if you look at that, that's like, oh, they must have made some big plays. They did not make many big plays at all. Yeah, I mean, having watched this game, would it it reminded me a lot of the Wake Forest game where it was basically over after the first quarter. And when you really look at the numbers, that was where Boise State made most of their hay. Like, they they ended up with, I think, 533 yards total offense. But they outgained Utah State 4-1 to one in the first quarter. And it wasn't as though they weren't doing it one way or the other. Like, the rushing attack was averaging about 4.5 yards per carry, which is solid, right? But, you know, Brett Rippon got off to a really hot start in that first quarter. Like, he had 172 yards on just 14 attempts on just 11 completions. That was, to me, alarmingly similar to what John Wolford was able to do when they were getting embarrassed in non-conference play. And on the flip side, you know, the Utah State offense just never really got it going in the first half. Like... By by half by halftime, they were still struggling. They were still under a hundred yards of total offense, and yeah, they were 
what, 9 of 13 in the first half. They were 7 of 10 in the first quarter throwing the ball. But they only had 50 yards throwing in the in the first half. Like, that's just not going to get it done. Like, they, this is a... Like, this is a an offense that thrives on tempo, an offense that thrives on creating big plays, and they just didn't get it again. Like, they only ended up, what, um, with, like, four passing plays of more than 15 yards on 34 attempts. That's just not going to get it done. And by the time they were getting those plays, they were already down, like, <laughs> like, like a ton of points. So, I mean, I just don't know what you do about the offense at this point. Like, they don't look like they have an answer at quarterback anymore. Well, at least they still get Jordan Love this game. They brought Kent Myers in. Do they, in for... though? Do they, though? Well, no, I mean, I'm saying give him credit for not switching. Like, like they stuck with Jordan Love. I'm not saying they have a quarterback. I'm saying at least they stuck with one guy. They weren't going back and forth and rotating every quarter because Myers had just a one, one pass attempt for a completion. At least they left Love in there. And then we've known this for all. Their running game has been wildly inconsistent. Who's this Trey Miller guy? Freshman comes in, leads the way seven for 40 yards. Lawan Hunt doesn't do anything 31 yards. They punt nine times. Nine times you punt? Jeez. Yeah. I mean, again, this is another team that, you know, I like to talk about it a lot. Third down situations, Utah State was only 4-15. And when you compare that to what Boise State was able to do, they were right around 50%. You know, you need to be able to keep the chains moving against a defense like this. So, like you pointed out the tackle for loss numbers, like, the Broncos didn't generate any sacks, but they did have six tackles for loss and they did hit the quarterback four times. So they were creating pressure and making plays and, but also like overcoming some of those setbacks to be able to create plays of their own. Like there was a couple of third and long situations where they were able to find success throughout the game. Like there was a third and nine early where Madison had a 23 yard completion. You know, they had, the what was it third and 16 and they hit Jake Rowe for an 18 yard pass like those are the differences between Boise State at this moment and Utah State at this moment like Boise State can actually make plays down the field Utah State doesn't seem to have that ability in them plays when they played UNLV there's a I think a 70 yard pass play but UNLV's defense versus Boise defense quite a different uh situation out there Mm-hmm. So Utah State four and five. They still have a okay chance to maybe go to a bowl game. They go to New Mexico next week. Which really quick, the line is out for that game. Who would you say is favored in that game at right at this moment? Utah State at the Lobos. My guess would be Aggies by like two. No. Lobos are off. Uh yeah, six points off. Lobos are a four and a half point favorite. Yeah, I guess I can I can see that. We'll see. They go to New Mexico. They host Hawaii. They go to Air Force. Maybe I could see them winning two of those three games. They're just going to have to find an answer on offense. Just something. All right, let's move on to the final game of the day. We are now down to one undefeated team in conference play. Um, you know how we kind of joked about UNLV kicking field goals. That's all they needed to win this game. <laughs> Twenty-six to sixteen. They kicked what four field goals in this matchup? Three in the first half. Yep. That's not what you want to see, is it, Matt? This was a really weird game to watch for a number of reasons. Like, there are people out there that are blaming the Fresno State defense for for their effort in this game. Where it's like, yeah, okay, they had, you know, maybe a rough first half. Because, oddly enough, both of these teams only ended up with three possessions in the first half. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Rebels were basically nickel and diming their way down the field on some very long and exhaustive plays. Like there was, you know, one of their field goal drives was 16 plays. Both. 65 both yards. They both were. Seven, seven minutes and 40 <laughs> seconds. The other one was 16 plays, 74 yards, six and a half minutes, basically. But, you know, if you look at what they were doing on those drives, it was kind of similar to what Air Force was doing. Like they were... Mm-hmm. They weren't finding the end zone for one thing, which I think is a credit to, you know, the defense for, you know, not making it uglier than it could have been. But, you know, UNLV wasn't really finding big plays down the field until the second half. Like they had exactly one play through the air that was more than 15 yards in the first half. 
And they had one, I think it was a reverse to Darren Woods early in the first quarter. That was a 21-yard play. But that was it. Like, they were basically just, like, doing the least likely thing to this defense. And somehow people are finding fault in that. But they're all well, kind of ignoring the fact. They're kind of ignoring the fact that even despite that, yeah, they were they were at a significant time disadvantage in the first half. But you know what? The game was still tied at halftime. Yeah, and then also look how the Fresno State defense showed up the field goals. They're all basically red zone or closer. The longest field goal was a twenty one at the twenty twenty one yard line. Then UNLV had a fourth and goal at the, well, I guess fourth and five at the ten. The other two field goals were inside the ten yard line. So it could have been mm-hmm. a lot worse, like a six-yard, ten-yard, twenty-one-yard um, kicks, essentially, and they didn't. They held them out of the end zone. It could have been they scored two touchdowns. They scored one touchdown. UNLV is going north of thirty points, and we'd even mention this: they're playing Johnny Stanton, who was playing linebacker last week at quarterback. Yeah, like raise your hand if you thought Johnny Stanton would be the, the person to do the most damage against this defense. I'm raising my hands. I knew he'd be the backup quarterback, not that he and would. I mean, do okay. 17 and 29, 155 is all right, but he's barely played quarterback all year. Barely. Yeah, and I mean, and some of that is like he was he was better in the first half than he was in the second half. Like they both of these defenses basically played to a draw after halftime by by total yardage and stuff like that. To me, the bigger question is like what happened to the offense? I know, I'm looking at the numbers here real quick. I'm like I'm, I'm, I didn't really pay attention to the box score all that much until at this moment, like, kind of dive into it. How were there 42 points scored in this game? I don't see where they came from. We'll, like, we'll, get, we'll get to one of the big reasons in a moment, but, like, what I want to point out is, like, I was a little surprised that that, that Jeff Tedford and Kalen DeBoer didn't let McMarion air it out down the field, especially early in drives, like on early downs and stuff like that. Because... You know, I've mentioned it before. If you've read my previews, you know this already. Like that's where he's done the most damage is is being able to you know find big plays on first downs, and you know you saw a little bit more of that I think in the second half than in the first half. Like the, he they ended up having more chunk plays both on the ground and in the air. But this was just one of those things where they I don't know that they let him do that enough. And when they put him into third down situations, for as good as he's been on first and second down this year, he's been awful on third downs. And when you look at what he did in this game, like he only completed one third down through the air out of like, hold on, I'm trying to look at one, two, three, se- well, one out of seven. And overall, three of ten. Yeah, and like one of them was a six-yard run that he had, so that's a credit to him, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like he just hasn't been good, regardless of the situation on third down this year. And it's not as though, especially in the second half, that they weren't putting him into situations where he could succeed. Like he really only had one third and long situation after halftime. You know, some of it was you know the UNLV defense. Like there was a tipped pass late in the game where it was kind of their last ditch effort. Um, before they turned it over on downs, you know, some of it too, though, was, you know, it's a game of inches. And there were a couple of instances where he was making throws to the sidelines down the field, like difficult throws, right? But they were just out of bounds. Like Keyshawn Johnson couldn't keep his feet in bounds on a couple of different catches. And that, I think, was one of those things that you, you overlook it in the box score, but that's the kind of thing that made a significant difference in this game because, you know, UNLV was obviously a little bit better moving the chains in the first half, but Fresno State's had problems on third down all year long. And this was the kind of thing where it really came back to bite them, especially after halftime. Like they tried to put the game in McMarion's hands down the stretch and it just didn't work out for them. So what does they need to do to maybe, cause they were putting up points and, his numbers overall were like I moved him up pretty high in our like QB rankings I do every week, just because he's been good enough. Like he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been making mistakes. But his, his, his number line, like the amount of yards he's throwing for, and how you mentioned like first like early downs is where he really made his damage. But like the past couple of games, he just hasn't been making mistakes. But he hasn't had a TD. I guess if you really look at it, he, three of the past four games, no touchdown passes. He had the three versus New Mexico, and he's just been. 
Like, he's been good enough. And I guess this is the game where they needed him to be better than that, and he couldn't do that. Despite having a pretty great receiving crew on this team, one of the best in the conference. I think one potential answer is that they're going to have to find better ways to like win early by passing. Because if you look at McMarion's splits right now, and I figured now is a good time to bring it up. Mm-hmm. If you look at his effectiveness by quarter so far this year, he's been way better in the first half of games than he's been in the second half of games. And his effectiveness more or less declines from the first to the second to the third to the fourth quarter. And from first down to second down to third down, which I've mentioned already. But he had the exact same kinds of splits last year, too, when he was playing against Oregon State. The difference between last year and this year, though, and especially with regards to this game, is this was really the first time that McMarion struggled against a really bad defense. Like, they made the UNLV defense kind of look like world beaters. And if Mm -hmm. you... If, like it, well, I'm, I, I, that's probably too strong a saying because like they didn't, they only had two tackles for loss. They only had one sack, mm-hmm. but they really limited big plays in a way that I don't think anybody expected. And you know, even though the offense kind of disappeared a little bit in the second half, like you know, this was a, a defense, mind you, that had really epic second half class collapses against both Utah State and Air Force in the last couple of weeks, but they held it together in a way that I don't think anybody saw coming. And that's a credit you know, to Kent Bayer and everybody else on the staff. Maybe this is a step in the right direction for, for a young defense that's coming together. I don't know. I don't know that there's a good answer for what they can do differently besides kind of what the numbers suggest, which is throw early, throw to get ahead, let your running game salt it away. Don't put McMarion in a situation where he has to make plays down the stretch. Well, you also have to have a better writing game, too. A little bit better. See, the, see, that's the thing, though. I don't know that the running game was all that bad in this game. Because in the, in the first half, in the first half, they were averaging like six yards a carry. And, you know, some of that, like if you look at the box score, it'll say that they averaged 2.9 yards in the second half. But keep in mind that that includes the... Uh, I believe it is attributed to team or something like yard. that. that was it that snap, the 30s, right? The, the the, yeah, the punt snap, which gets to the really big thing that's that made the, a huge difference in this game. Special teams mistakes, mm-hmm. which is not something that you saw a lot of from week to week so far in the year for the Bulldogs. But Keyshawn Johnson was back there on a punt return. He muffed it. So that's one error. Mm-hmm. You know, the second error, like you just mentioned, was the punt snap that went right over Blake Cusick's head set up a field goal late in the game without those two things you're looking at a totally different ball game come maybe more of a defensive struggle than it already looked like but you know obviously it may that's probably not going to happen a lot down the stretch like they've had pretty sound if not spectacular special teams Mm -hmm. from week to week so i'm expecting that that'll get sorted out in the last month but yeah i think you know, they're going to have to figure out how to get back to creating turnovers, too, because this was the first time, I think, since the Alabama game that they didn't create any takeaways. Beyond that, though, I don't think that this is the kind of performance that's worth panicking over in the way that some parts of the fan base are panicking over it. Like, I don't think the defense played a bad game. They had a rough first quarter, but they answered the bell. They kept UNLV out of the red zone, out of the end zone more often than not. Offense has some work to do, if you're asking me. But let's not overreact, you know. Okay, so let's um, yeah, it, it they're still learning how to play better. Nobody expected them to be this good, so the loss it stinks. It's they're fine. So, do you? How would you put this loss perspective the rest of the way? Because right now they have a even with the loss, they still have a commanding lead in the division race because they mm-hmm. own the tiebreaker and a one game lead over San Diego State. And so basically, what we mentioned before, Fresno could lose twice and still win the division. That was that's correct, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, because they, because they, as long as they both finish with the same amount of losses, they're fine. I believe when they play BYU next week, that should be a victory. It doesn't matter in this case, but they go to Hawaii, to Wyoming, at host Boise State. Are they going to win at least one of those to win the West Division? Oh, I think they will. So you're saying they're going to win the West Division then? Uh, I mean, at this point, I mean, I'm saying yes. Then I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. You have to because. 
San Diego State could have one loss in league play, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, are you confident they're going to win those games? Like, what's what's the most confident game? Is that Hawaii? I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean Hawaii. Yes, but I think if they can, you know, get back to creating turnovers, I think that makes it a very dicey matchup for Josh Allen if he can't take care of the football. You know, obviously, the at this point, the the Boise State Fresno State game is looking like really enticing for a number of reasons. As back to a back, potential conference as a potential conference championship preview. But you know, there's there's a long way to go between here and the end of November. And if the last couple of weeks have taught us anything, expect the unexpected, pretty much. Sure, I would just say Fresno. It would take a pretty bad collapse for them not to win the division. Yeah. Because we're, and look at the FPI really quick, eighty-one percent chance to beat BYU, seventy-seven to win at Hawaii, which is pretty high, fifty-four at Wyoming, and the Boise. As last week we mentioned, they were favored every way, the rest of the way, still basically a coin flip at forty-six and a half percent to uh, beat Boise at home. So it's just going to be really quick before you comment that you know how it's always first. No, are they going to beat Boise this year? They're a top ten team. David Carr, Derek Carr, are they going to beat them? Is this going to be one of those hyped-up games again when they meet the last week of the year? Or because they might play the following week, is it really going to matter? Well, I mean, I think a lot of that depends on what the standings look like between now and then. Because, for instance, if if Colorado State beats Boise State before then, that's where things get really interesting. Because you know you're going to be getting a Broncos team that's, that's going to bring their A game, for instance. But, you know, if... Air Force, for instance, like if they sweep through, like like there's still a chance that they can win the division because they still have to play Wyoming and Boise State, and they've already beaten Colorado State. So like, well, and Wyoming plays CSU as well next week. Yeah, so, so there's still a lot of intrigue left in the Mountain Division. Like, the, I don't want to say that anything is a given at this point, but. Yeah, and, I mean, you know they're going to be hyped up one way or another for a rivalry, especially if there is, a, you know, I think if nothing else, they would like to play the spoiler for Boise in that there's a chance that they're in a situation where they can knock the Broncos out of the championship game. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more than happy to do so. Do you recall what the tiebreaker scenario is? Because I know it's just, let's just play it out. Let's just say it's Bo- Fresno-Boise title game going into the matchup. Like they already know they're going to play the week after. Mm-hmm. I know I know it's your ranked in the top twenty five playoff poll, which if Boise's ten and two or eleven ten and one or nine and two headed into that game, there might be a chance they're ranked. But if they're not, isn't doesn't it go toward like the old BCS computers? Because we had that issue a couple years ago with San Diego State and um Air Force. So, so I just went to, to Wikipedia to double check this. Good source. Oops. <laughs> yeah, always. Um, host determination for the Mountain West title game. Number one, team with better composite ranking among selected computer rankings. So that's the old BCS formula. Yeah, and then number two, oddly enough, is head-to-head record. You might think that that would be number one, but I guess not. What about conference record? Do you think that'd be in there too somewhere? Number three, for anybody who cares, is record versus common conference opponents. Which is few and far between because they're in opposite divisions. Mm-hmm. It, bas- it basically come back to head to head because that's the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they've they've both beaten San Diego State at this point, and they played each other. <laughs> yeah, they they would assuming that Fresno State beats Wyoming, they would both have beaten. Oh, Wyoming, Wyoming too. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and okay. then they both would have beaten New Mexico in that situation. Interesting. So it's coming down to Wyoming game, perhaps. Yeah, and then number four, winning percentage against the next highest placed common conference opponent and proceeding through the conference <laughs> with win, with placing based on one, placement within the division, two, overall conference record, and three, composite of selected computer rankings. And then number five, coin toss. I want a coin toss. Can we get they a coin just, toss? They should just like do the coin toss automatically. Like college football could use a little more randomness, I think. Really? You think so? More randomness? Why, why not? Embrace the chaos. Uh, sure, why not? We love it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it gives us more stuff to write about. Coin toss. Exactly. We can say, okay, how does it come out to be? Because it's not technically 50-50. It's whatever percentage it actually is because of the weight of the coin. It also depends on what coins you're using as well, right? 
I mean, without coin tosses, you, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten like those those fun little tidbits, like for example, from Stephen Sai of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Did you realize that this the game against the Aztecs was the first time Hawaii had won a coin toss in like eight weeks? Crazy. Exactly. Or also the um, oh, there's something else I could think of. Shoot, um, the uh, Thanksgiving Day game, Pittsburgh Detroit. Did he call it in the air or not? <laughs> Remember that? That's true. Yeah, was it Jerome, Jerome Bettis? I think he's like a hey, hey, tells or something. Like he stu- he stuttered and switched or something. I don't. I still think he just kind of stuttered, but whatever. Now they make him call it before he toss it in the air. That would never happen mm-hmm. without a coin toss. Exactly. That's Embrace get, the chaos. That's what you get here in the podcast. All right. Uh, anything else we need need to discuss? Uh, I think we're pretty much all set. I will say this. Look for an article about a potential 18 playoff in the works. Maybe. Ooh, all right. Pac-12 and I believe um, Big 12 are wanting to make a move, which makes sense. You know why? Because they're probably going to be on the outside looking in <laughs> this year. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. So look for something on those lines because um, we know it's coming down the road, and so we'll look for that. And then also, um, I guess we'll say it. We, um, just go to mwcwire.com next couple of days. We'll still be there. It may look a little different. Spoiler alert. Spoiler or tease? <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that, I guess that would be what, what we in the business call a tease. It could be both. Just uh, look for that. And also iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. I did notice we're up to 15 reviews in iTunes. I need to check what our recent reviews were because I think we may have a couple. We're sitting at four and a half stars. That's pretty good. Nice. Let's get it Let's get it higher. We can't get back to the perfect 5.0 because we're already not there. But thank you for those who listen to the show, download um, share the show. Those who have a um, gone to our affiliate stuff on our, um, we haven't posted this in a while, but we have a little companies we partner with. We had a few people sign up for Sling TV, check our Acorns, I believe, as well to invest some money. So if you guys did that, thank you. Give us a couple of dollars here and there. So good way to help us out, right? Easy way too. Mm-hmm. So oh. that's all I got for tonight. So um, check out you, Matt Kennerly, Matt K underscore FS on Twitter for a bunch of you put up polls out, you talk nonsense, you um. Talk about everything, right? You don't care. Baseball, a little bit, right? Tacos? A little, little bit. Maybe hopefully the World Series isn't done by the time you listen to this. Um, oh. Right now, bottom fourth inning, my Houston Astros are losing 4-0 to versus the Dodgers. Oh, no. And my brother's at the game, so can I blame him for being at the game and causing the loss? I'll allow it. And I'm so ticked about the near Grand Slam and Saturday night game. Jeez, so close. But this this isn't baseball. We're talking college football here, Mountain West, and – that's all I got for tonight. So mwcwire.com, and I guess mwwire.com as well. Both should work. But, yes, as always, you know what it is. We're biased against your team.